Hello and welcome, beautiful souls, to You Uplifted, the place where open hearts and open minds can come together to talk about and discover new ways in which to heal, grow, and fully step into our potential and power. My name is Safa and I am your host. I am an intuitive healer as well as a women's health and wellness life coach, and I am thrilled to share a new guest and interview with you today. I had the pleasure of speaking via Zoom with Sam Johnson, and Sam is a modern-day witch who teaches women how to tap into their inner witch and harness the magic of the moon. As a Reiki master, experienced as a corporate marketing editor, and forever fascination slash obsession with the moon, she brought her experience and passion together to become a spiritual mentor and teacher. Her goal is to make witchcraft and spirituality accessible, fun, and applicable to real life. Sam is an absolute joy to speak with, and you're going to hear us talk about moon energy and the divine feminine. So I really believe that you're going to enjoy this episode. And without further ado, here is Sam. All right. Well, hello, Sam. How are you doing today? I'm great, Safa. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm so excited to be able to touch base with you today and to have this conversation, especially in lieu of the wonderful lunar happenings of last night. Yes. <laughs> but before we get into all of that, I would love it if you could share a little bit about yourself and the work that you do with the listeners. Yeah. So I am, I call myself a modern day witch. Um, I feel like that's kind of the best way to describe all-encompassing what I do. I work with tarot and I work a lot with moon magic and moon energy to help women tune into their own magic and use magic in a way that makes sense every day. I like to break things down really simply and talk about how we can use things every day because not every time we use magic has to be like this huge ritual ceremony. Um, I like to talk about how we can do little things to incorporate it into our lives. I love that. There's so much about that new sort of awakening into the power of and the heart of the witch that's going on lately that I think, or I perceive has so much to do with the reawakening of the sacred feminine. And what you said, I think also goes to the heart of the matter is I believe a lot of times we get caught up in these ideas of everything has to be just so. And if I'm going to work magic, it's going to be very uh, Macbeth. Yes. Very <laughs> yeah. double, double toil and trouble. <laughs> yeah. But it's not like that at all. And the word itself, I think, gets misunderstood very often. I think we still see the concept of magic as very out there and very scary and right. taboo. So I love that you're doing that work. Yeah, I kind of started with, um, I'm a stay-at-home mom to a two-year-old. And I was kind of thrown into this world where now suddenly I don't have time to do all of the huge ritual things that I like to do. So I found ways to incorporate it into my life. And, you know, even if you're not a mom, we're all busy. So we all need to figure out just small things that we can do every day to make sure that we're still tuned into that aspect of ourselves. And connected to the sacred. Absolutely. Right. Now, Sam, would you mind sharing a little bit about how you got started on this journey? Because I know you and I had very unique upbringings. So if you could give us maybe just a little story about that, that would be fantastic. Um, yeah, so my mom, I kind of got where I am because of 
my mom. Um, my dad passed away when I was six years old, and my mom kind of had this spiritual awakening after that. Um, she really wanted to find a way to connect with him, so she started diving really deep into spirituality, and I was kind of brought along into that journey with her. Um, she got into Reiki, and she's a Reiki master, and now I'm a Reiki master as well. And I remember from a really young age, from elementary school, visiting um, Wiccan shops with her. There was this one really amazing witch named Lady Desiree. We called her Lady D. And we would go to her store all the time. So I'm really lucky to have had that um, accepting upbringing. Mm -hmm. And it was, like I said, it was just kind of the way that I was brought up with crystals in the house and incense and using tarot cards and into adulthood. I lost touch with that a little bit into early adulthood, just getting into college and kind of going into real life. But when I was in college, I had a very traumatic miscarriage and it wasn't anything that was planned. I was with my boyfriend, who's now my husband, but that having a miscarriage, I, I didn't know this at the time. And this was a realization that I came to later, but it made me very deeply distrustful of the feminine within me mm. because it was like, if my body can't, can't do this thing, like this very feminine energy thing, I, I can't trust that part of myself. And I really deeply, deeply grew to resent the feminine energy within me. Um, after I had the miscarriage, I gained a lot of weight because I was emotionally eating. And then that kind of turned into the the exact opposite. I, I went the complete other direction, immersing myself into masculine energy. So I went on this weight loss journey where I felt like I needed to control every single aspect of my life because maybe then I would feel safe if mm -hmm. I was rejecting the feminine because in my mind, it was something that had betrayed me so deeply and so hurtfully. So um, I actually did fitness competition and developed an eating disorder. So I went from one side to the complete opposite um, pendulum swing the other way. Mm -hmm. And coming out of that, I realized it wasn't that the feminine had betrayed me and it wasn't that the masculine was going to save me. I needed to find this middle ground. And that's kind of when I had this like second spiritual awakening into my mid twenties. And that is what led me to where I am now. Wow. I, it's so powerful to hear because I believe a lot of us experience this disconnect or slight breaking of the true connection and trust, implicit trust with the sacred feminine at different points in our lives. And it doesn't matter whether you are a male female or identify male female i'm talking in terms of dualities because every single human being in the planet has both male and female energies within them right so all of us i think experience either a breaking not just with the sacred feminine but, but with the sacred masculine as well we experience a breaking of that yeah. and the the breaking of it creates so much distrust and so much dis-ease within ourselves that you're right we we can peter to either one extreme or the other and either become incredibly rigid in our thinking or become overly submissive and meek or we can become aggressive and self 
deprecating kind of like how it happened with your eating disorder. And I feel as well like as it happened with mine. And you add to that the constant negative narrative and the constant negative identification with self when it comes to our bodies. And I believe mm-hmm. we've got a perfect storm for a whole lot of interesting development. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So thank you so much for sharing that and being so vulnerable with us. It's just so, it's to me, it sounds a little bit strange. And I know we we talk about this kind of thing in the spiritual community a lot. And it's something that I believe makes a lot of other people angry. But the point of the wound is where the light will enter you, right? To, to quote. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's the no muck, no lotus type idea. It's the fact that we've embodied these spaces as souls. We've embodied these human spaces to learn something and to grow from something. And those experiences can oftentimes be very painful and very hurtful. But it's, again, it's where that allows us to bring a lot of life and light into ourselves and what gives us the ability to then go out into the world and help heal others, which is what you're doing. So I'm so appreciative of that. And at the same time, what a beautiful gift to have a mother who embraced this deep side of the sacred feminine and who shared it with you. I had a very similar yet dissimilar experience growing up. So my mom has always been very deeply connected to the spiritual. She's always resonated so much more with the sacred masculine in a very beautiful way. Okay. And she brought us up in a very in a very unique way, but she was always to me very just keen and intuitive and powerful. I've always seen her as this beautiful sort of like warrior-esque type person, right? <laughs> just because she can take on so much. And when she finally started tapping into the sacred feminine and being curious as to finding a Reiki healer in Mexico City who was going to be able to help me in particular with some issues that I was having. And we were given crystals and all of these things to do, mandalas and prayers and um, energy exercises. At first, she was full on embracing it and feeling so much healing from it and seeing the transformation within herself as well as me. And Mm -hmm. then the old narrative showed up right? That narrative of this is evil, you're going to get possessed, the devil is going to take your soul away. Oh, interesting. (laughs) And so I've seen sort of both sides of the spectrum have been pulled from one into the other. And I think what I want to touch on when it comes to that with you is the fact that that misconception of the sacred feminine and of the divinity of the magic is still in many ways to this day seen as that malevolent side. And it is my firm belief that a lot of it has to do with the toxic level or the toxic state of the masculine, which creates then that heavy patriarchal, very, you're going to be submissive and women are going to be this very meek, only, you know, only fill these tasks type of role, right? So have you seen that in your work and what are some of the biggest uh, hurdles or blocks that you come across when you talk to people about inhabiting these spaces? Um, I am actually really fortunate in that I, at least to my face, nobody has come out and said any negative, any negative things to me. But in general, I will get, you know, messages on Instagram, just people wanting to talk about how what I'm doing is not okay with God, and all of those things. And I think that it's, it's something that you had touched on and what you just said, it's the patriarchy's fear of powerful women. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I say that I'm a witch, I mean that 
I have I have power within myself to make change. Mm -hmm. And that's something that's scary for a lot of people to think about. Yeah. Oof. I think you hit the nail right in the head with that girl. That is to me, we cannot say the words witch without implying woman. <laughs> yes. So to me, the history of the witch is the history of the woman. And there is so much that goes into that. I, I love that you said that because it's true. It's the empowerment. It's the stepping into knowing that you are the chooser. You are the author. You get to determine what comes into your bubble, what doesn't come into your bubble. <laughs> you know, what affects you, what doesn't affect you. And you create create ripples and changes. And that is so terrifying to so many for so many different reasons. Yeah. And when you think about, um, I'm not sure if you know, like the history of Friday the 13th, but there's, you know, 13 lunar cycles. Women have 13 cycles where we bleed. Um, mm -hmm. And that became something that, again, the patriarchy was fearful. And that is why Friday the 13th, they change the narrative to that it was this really scary thing that we should all be really worried about when Friday the 13th is actually a celebration of the divine feminine. Absolutely. Yeah. And likewise with so many other aspects of femininity, including our menstrual cycle, mm -hmm. which is also very keenly connected to the moon, right? Yes. 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 Do you work a lot in terms of, now that I'm actually getting into that, do you work a lot in terms of finding ways to allow the feminine to get back to that connection to the lunar cycle or not a lot? Um, I work with the lunar cycle kind of as a general guide for my life. So I guess uh, you could say that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Can you expand on that a little bit for us? Yeah. So I follow astrology um, pretty closely. I, for me, I think of astrology and, you know, moon magic is incorporated in that as well as kind of a framework for how we can see what's going on, how we can relate to it and how we can use that magic within ourselves. And it's, it's just one of many frameworks, I think. And it's one that resonates for me. And it, it's one that resonates with a lot of other people too. But you know, there's human design, there's all of these other things that we can see as kind of like a picture of what's going on and use that. But astrology is the tool, like I said, that I feel deeply resonates with me. So that's the one that I choose to work with, but it's not to say that it's the only one. Right. Um, yeah. So I follow like planetary transits and all of those things to just help me tune into what's going on in the world and help me see within myself how I can, you know, be useful and how I can go through healing. So yeah, it's kind of, like I said, it's a framework for figuring out how to go through life connected to spirit, connected to both the feminine and the masculine and the cosmic energy. Mm hmm. Beautiful. And before we dive into the moon talk, because I definitely want to get into that a little bit today, like I said, especially after yesterday, and I'll share a little bit of ritual and thing with you. But okay. before we get into that, um, I would love for us to be able to expand a little bit more on the sacred feminine for our listeners. And I guess I'll start it here. As I said at the beginning of the show, I firmly believe and know that everything in existence is made within dualities. And it doesn't mean that one is better than the other. It just means that they are two sides of the same coin. So you see the same with light and, and dark. You see the same with male and female. It's just kind of how it is. The universe works in terms of dualities. And when we speak of the sacred feminine, the divine feminine, we are talking of the 
balanced. We are talking of the higher purpose side of the, of the feminine energy, right? Right. And so what exactly does the sacred feminine mean to you and how have you seen it embodied in your life, especially after having had that small disconnect and having to rediscover her again? Oh, that's a good question. Um, to me, the sacred feminine means being open to receiving, um, receiving guidance from the universe, receiving from other people, receiving from ourselves. Um, and we can't go through life always resisting like the masculine. We, I think a lot of women, especially in modern society, we're so embodied in the masculine because we feel like we need to, to have to keep up with men. Mm -hmm. Um, but in actuality, it's kind of like trying to swim up river and the current is always going against you. So when we are able to tune into receptivity and being open to kind of going with the flow, it makes life a lot easier to flow through. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's that softness. It's the ability of remembering that the feminine asks complete vulnerability and that she has the ability of both gifting and receiving in equal measure and that one does not overshadow the other. In other words, for all of those who embody the feminine as uh, maybe our identity and who think that we or find ourselves constantly giving and giving and giving and giving and never receiving back because receiving feels shameful or selfish, yeah. it's not. It's absolutely sacred. Receiving and putting yourself first and really looking through the old veil and the old perception that we have to be smaller than in order for us to actually have any kind of value, that's important as well. And you said it right, it's, it's about going with the flow, but not going with the flow the way that it gets used a lot, unfortunately, in terms of like, oh, just going with the flow, I'm going to slack around. But more in terms of receptivity and allowing your intuition to guide you and to be your true north and to let you embody your power and your action in such a way that it's going to create and be creative because the feminine is what creates at the end of the day, right? Exactly what you said. It's going with the flow of your intuition rather than the flow of what everyone around you is telling you to do. And that's such a hard thing. Um, we don't trust our intuition and tuning into that is so difficult in a world where we have a million different voices coming at us all the time mm -hmm. to really be able to sit quietly and listen to yourself. Man, that's so hard. It's a challenge for sure, especially when we spend so much time, as you said, putting external, right? We externalize so much. And yeah. then on top of everything, we keep thinking that our voice and our call and our knowing and our knowing is, is wrong. It has to be flawed. And it's not. It's that space that we have to keep practicing in, that we have to keep embodying. And um, I know that I kind of <laughs> I kind of gave you a two for earlier in terms of questions, because for some reason I have a tendency to do that. But uh, can you maybe share a little bit about what that rediscovery was for you in terms of connecting back to the sacred feminine after, after all that you went through? Yeah. So... Um... Like I had mentioned earlier, I was completely immersed in the masculine. Um, and at my lowest point, I was bulimic because I was, I just had to control everything so much. And I realized that that wasn't working for me. I needed to, you know, I had, 
I was completely into this world where I thought that I had to control everything. And I realized that if I was going to really be in tune with myself, I had to let go of some of that control. And that is where, like we just mentioned, trusting my intuition came in. I had to stop trying to plan out every single little thing and let, let things come to me as they did. And Mm -hmm. that is really when the feminine started awakening within me and I actually moved to Canada in the middle of all this. I'm American um, and my husband is Canadian. So we had been planning on buying a house and doing all this stuff. So in the middle of this struggle, trying to get out of um, this masculine, super hyperactive masculine energy, um, we moved. And that was kind of a good thing because it took me out of my regular element, but I was up to like, I, I don't want to say I was depressed, but I was definitely getting there mm-hmm. when we moved here because I was away from my friends and my family and I was still struggling and I was just really searching for something. I needed something more. And I got online and I started searching um, like goddess groups or moon groups or something. And I went, mm-hmm. I found this group called La Luna Social and they were in Calgary, which is the city that I live. And they were having a new moon circle like that week. And I was like, Mm. okay, you know what, I'm going to go. And I never, I'm never really one to go to like social events alone, because Mm -hmm. I'm not super talkative. Like I like to go with somebody who can take over conversations for me. But um, I was like, I just felt this need to go there and and just to see what it was about. And this Mm was uh, like five years ago. So I, I went to this group and it was a small group of maybe eight women. And we, we held this moon circle and talked about, you know, the astrology of the moon and what was going on. And we did this meditation together. And at the end of the meditation, everybody kind of went around the circle and said, you know, just what came up for them. And by the time they came around to me, I was sobbing so hard. I like couldn't speak at all. Mm-hmm. And it was just like everything about it made finally made sense it was like this awakening of these women that I was supposed to be around this connecting to this lunar divine feminine energy and it like like I mentioned earlier it was like this framework that I was able to see clearly how what I was going through fit into divine cosmic order how I could use my voice how I could heal from it it was just everything at once and it was so powerful and I was like oh my gosh that like this is it this this is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is what I'm supposed to be connecting with. And so that is really where I made that connection back to the feminine. Mm. Wow. The power of sisterhood, let me tell you, like the true power of coming together as women and or female energies and opening our hearts up in a vulnerable way and allowing ourselves to hold space so that we may embody the sacred feminine. It is so powerful. I remember one of the first times I actually started getting close to the sacred feminine in earnest was I had been gifted the book, The Mists of Avalon. Have you ever heard of that? No, I haven't. Oh, girl, you have to read the series. You're going to love it. Absolutely love it. And I started reading it. And whenever there was conversation about the goddess or whenever there was conversation about the priestesses of Avalon and what they did and their rituals and how they saw the world, my heart 
just started beating faster and faster. And I started like, and it was like a, a call where it was like, oh God, something, something about this is calling to me. It's, it's, this is part of me. How do I find it? How do I seek it? And little by little, without me having to do anything, as is usually the way of the universe, just by putting the energy of, of, of search for it, it was brought into my life. And Shortly after that, one of the biggest experiences, biggest transformative experiences for me was I'd been at this yoga conference and post Kundalini class one day I sat down in this red tent. They had built mm. a red tent where we were doing the uh, the share and I stepped into that tent and immediately felt the embrace of the mother, you know, that sense yeah. that you get where you are just held in place by love. There is no expectations. There is no desire for anything to be, you know, expected of you. It's just love. And mm -hmm. I walked in and there was these women just sitting around like in pillows and talking and discussing and laughing. And I was like, <gasps> what is this? And where has it been all my <laughs> life? And uh, we sat down and we spoke and they recommended that I read The Red Tent, which is also a great book. Yeah. And I knew from that point that that was that connection to tribe, that connection to sacredness, that connection to divinity and to the feminine was so absolutely imperative because without it, we do keep trying to force ahead or to push ahead or to make things, beat things into submission, right? Which is a secondary aspect of a masculine energy in dis-ease, not even a positive one. Right. So, and those are all very, very interesting things to discover about yourself and through yourself. So I love that you're sharing that. That was a similar experience for you, that you have been embraced by the sacred feminine back through this circle of women who were, or feminine, who were able to open their hearts up to you and, and say, the goddess is here and the moon is here and she embraces you. Oh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of what, um, like my, my Instagram account too, when I started talking about that more, it was gaining traction because I realized there was all these other women who were searching for the same thing. Mm -hmm. And I think the search has grown over the few, the last few years. Have you noticed that? Because I feel when this began, there was less and less of us. And now I get much more freedom in speaking about sacred feminine with people than I used to, because I think we are looking for it. I think we're thirsty for it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's, um, everyone is kind of really tired and fed up of the way things are right now and it's kind of like how I was I was at at this lowest point like and just thinking there has to be something else and right now we're all realizing that that something else is already within ourselves and it's an aspect that we need to be able to tap into and I think also that spirituality and witchcraft is definitely trendy right now and I know some people don't think that's a good thing, but honestly, I think it's a great thing. If it gets people interested in it more, um, then it's, it's doing what it's supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. It reminds me a little bit of what happened a few years back whenever yoga started for some reason gaining traction. Mm -hmm. And a lot of us yogis were like, well, but this isn't yoga. This is just asana. And all it, <laughs> all it is, is people getting their Lululemons on. Yeah. <laughs> 
So yeah, well, I get, yeah, I get where the slight resistance for this new, the new witch is coming because it's like, well, hang on, are you really like into the spiritual or are you just like walking around with a kombucha bottle? <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think um, not, it, not in a sense where women are appropriating spirituality because that is definitely problematic. But if yes. it gets them into searching for something deeper within themselves and to even just being open to learning about witchcraft and astrology and the divine energy that's within themselves, that's, um, that's awesome. And I love, <clears throat> I just want to say, I love the Sabrina on Netflix, the new one. I don't know. Oh if my gosh, it. me too. I'm so obsessed with it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's about so much powerful women and, and it seems like the next season they're, going to be talking about it even more like feminine energy and connecting with the moon. So I'm really excited for that. Girl, I've been eating that up and I love, (laughs) I love that they address Lilith, you know, Lilith is like one of the biggest pivotal points for me as well. It's just like an awakening as Mm -hmm. her refusal to stand down and take the norm of what had been imposed upon her husband included and her decision to tread on the red path and discover for herself and really embody power. Yeah, I love all of that. So I, I, I also too like the Sabrina. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. And we could, yeah. And I think it has had its moments, right? Because something similar happened when the craft came out for the first time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so I think, again, I, I believe it's because we've been, as a feminine collective, we've been seeking this empowerment. We've been seeking the remembrance of our ancestors and the call to step into our unique, unique thread of femininity. And that might sound redundant, but the reason I'm saying that is because the sacred feminine is so wild and almost feral, but like in a good way. It's you, if you look at a lioness as she's hunting and as she's prowling and all of this, you will never have a single doubt as to her power. And to me, that is exactly what the sacred feminine feels like and looks like and even moves like. Yes. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love all that. But let's take advantage. I feel you and I could probably riff on the sacred feminine for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> and someday we might be able to, which would be fantastic. But I would love to touch a little bit on the energy of the moon as it concerns us all, because I find it so interesting that we still see ourselves as humans, as completely separate from universe and nature and everything else around us. When you look at the power the moon has over bodies of water in the planet, and you consider Mm -hmm. that we are mostly made up of water, is it any wonder that there are expressions like lunatic? or that there are tales about werewolves, right? The moon has an effect on us. And I always say that I've had students when I teach yoga that work in emergency rooms or that are nurses or doctors, et cetera. And whenever we bring up the the concept of a moon day, which in yoga is on a moon day, you either don't practice or you take a moon sequence. Okay. Because the energies are so heightened that you could potentially get injured. Then they'll vouch for the fact that on full moon, there's a lot more accidents. Mm -hmm. And on new moons, there's a lot more births. Oh, interesting. 
Uh, I find it so, and this has happened repeatedly with different students at different times, even at different studios where they've corrupt, uh, corroborated this for me when I talk about the moon, because it's so powerful. And yesterday we had a whammy of a moon, or at least when we are recording this, this was yesterday, because <laughs> by the time that this this actually comes by, we've, we would have had at least two more moons. But yesterday uh, we had a whammy of a moon which was the strawberry moon and mm -hmm. it was a full moon in Sagittarius if I'm right correct me if yes. I'm wrong yes. and <laughs> there was also an eclipse right yeah. so yeah. when we're working with energies of the moon how can we better harness their energy and not let them sort of influence us or not be at the effect of them so that we don't run amok so to speak <laughs> So the best way to do that is to understand what's going on so that you can work with it um, and that you don't feel like you're just being led in this direction Then you have no idea where you're going, um, but that you understand what's happening. So <clears throat> when we're starting to get into talking about moon phases, the easiest way to start if you want to work with them is to, to focus on the new moon and the full moon. Those are kind of like the two big ones that you mentioned also. Mm -hmm. and the full moon let's just talk about that one first because we just had our our full moon and moon energy is actually like a two to three day event so we're still feeling the effects of the full moon the day before and then like today the day afterwards so you can do your rituals or anything that you want to either the day before the full moon or the day after the full moon too but when we are looking at the full moon energy and what it means for us in general we think of the full moon as this giant cosmic spotlight right it's completely lit up and it is lighting up things within us that need to come out either to be recognized or to be healed things that need to be brought to our attention are going to be happening on the full moon and i think that that in general is why the full moon is a little bit more chaotic for a lot of people because there are these things that we don't want to deal with that are mm -hmm. suddenly being brought to our attention shining and, a light um, into the dark yeah yes exactly so full moon is going to bring up things like i said that need healing and that need attention i love that you're right it's an absolute like i said it's shining a light into the dark and bringing things that perhaps we were hiding from or mm -hmm. that we didn't want to see to the forefront so it's a very intense energy and it's a great time to cleanse and heal those things as well as letting things go Exactly. And, release yeah. is kind of like the main theme of the full moon. Precisely. Releasing, allowing yourself to, to not feel like you've got that illusory control. <laughs> yeah. And it, it makes sense too, when you think about it, the moon is such a powerful energy. And when it's at its, it's most powerful, when it's fully lit up, there's all of this lunar energy and lunar magic that we're able to harness. And when we think about what we go through on our spiritual journey, releasing is really hard. It's one of the hardest things that we're going to, to do to let go of something. So having, having that aspect of release tied to the full moon makes sense because that's when you have the most support around you to do the hardest thing. And one of the reasons that resonates so deeply within me as well is I think sometimes we have a tendency to overuse certain 
works, especially in the spiritual communities. But the concept of letting go sometimes feels a tad aggressive to me because it's almost as if you're trying to force people to just relinquish something that they actually need to sift through, work through, be in, lean into, and process so that that release can happen. And right. that's exactly what you're talking about. It's the, it's you've got that support during these times. Not that you don't have that support when the moon isn't full at all, but you've got extra support. You've got extra lights. You've got extra sort of ways and paths in which you can lean into that space a bit more so that you can alchemize it and then transform it. And, and then in that way, letting it go or releasing it, but not in a forceful manner, so to speak. Right. And a lot of things take more than one lunar cycle to kind of fully come to completion. So if you're able to release a little bit with this full moon and a little bit with the next full moon, like that's awesome too. Little by little. Yeah. Oh, I love that because that shows so much grace and we lack that so much, especially <laughs> toward ourselves, right? We need yes. so much more grace. Wow. I would love to also, if you're okay with this, I would love to go through some things that we can do during the moons um, to help us alchemize and transform. And I know we've talked about the energy of the full moon. Mm -hmm. And tell us before we get into how and all of that, tell us a little bit about the energy of the new moon. So the energy of the new moon, um, a lot of people refer to it as the dark moon, and it's not completely dark. The new moon is when there's just a tiny little bit of light starting to come through into the next moon phase. Um, but the new moon is when we plant our seeds of intention. So you can think of the lunar cycle as like this um, planner for how you can go about doing these things in your life. And the new moon is when we are starting to grow something new. So when the moon is dark, you're going to plant your seeds into the darkness is, is an easy way to think about it. So that's when, if you are wanting to manifest something into your life or start something new, you start to do that um, if you are going by the magic of the moon during the new moon. And then the full moon is kind of the peak opposite end of the cycle. So like we just talked about, if you're going to have any resistance towards the things that you are manifesting or growing into your life, you're probably going to see those in a full moon cycle. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what are some ways in which we can use, we've talked about manifesting a little bit in terms of the new mood, but some ways that we can, let's say, celebrate or step into sacred divinity with the feminine to ritualize these times or to better benefit from the moon so that we can be proactive instead of being reactive. Yeah, so let's uh, go back to the full moon first. Um, one of the like simplest things that you can do during the full moon, like we talked about how it's a great time for release, is to write something down that you are ready to release and then to burn it, to physically burn the piece of paper and release that into the universe. Um, mm -hmm. That's a really simple ritual that you can do. And of course, you can add any kind of other spell elements to it, like if you want to anoint your candles or if you want to add any kind of herbs into the paper that you're burning. Um, but that's a really great one to do on the full moon. Mm -hmm. And then a simple ritual to do on the new moon is to write down what you are manifesting or what you're trying to grow into your life. And you can either plant it mm -hmm. like into physical dirt, or you can do a new moon bath and put the paper in the water and kind of let it dissolve that way. Um, those are two of like the more simple things that you can start with if you're wanting to work with moon magic energy. 
Mm -hmm, absolutely. And you're more than welcome to take a bath on the full moon too, by the way. I like Oh yeah, take a bath every bath. day. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to connect with moon, uh, water is definitely the way to go. Mm -hmm, that connection is there and surrounding yourself with seashells. I mean, there are so many different ways. These are just like a few that we're touching on, but I, I resonate so much with them because again, I go back to the idea of how the sacred feminine is very fluid. Yes. And so to me, there's no easier or yeah, maybe no clearer way or time to see that than when the moon is really being felt and you can sense her around you and you've got that fluctuation and that in that movement and that rhythm that dance right so yeah, water taking a bath. exactly yeah is a great way to do that and then it, it also helps you connect to your physical self also if when you're in the bath you're able to put your hands on your heart and really connect into your physical body and feel how that connects to the water around you too Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why we do these um, rituals, right? This is where we embody a closer connection to the sacred because we are spirits having a physical matter-filled experience. <laughs> so we a lot of times understand things and process things and can embody things more deeply through a matter-filled action. <laughs> yes. So that's why we do these physicalities. We find these correspondences. We look at fire as the alchemizer and we burn things. We look at water as the cleanser and we allow it to pour through us and carry away any negative debris. We look at sound and allow it to move and vibrate every one of ourselves and shift it out and transform things. So there's so many different ways in which we can do that. And since we've been speaking about both the moon and the sacred feminine, what about some ways and some rituals in which we can further connect to our sacred feminine? Well, any moon ritual that you're gonna that you do, it will connect you to your sacred feminine. Um, in astrology, the moon is the mother, like you've, you've been calling it, mother moon. Um, mm -hmm. Moon is the feminine energy. So, you know, by virtue, anything that you do to connect with the moon, you're going to connect with your feminine. Um, Meditation is a really great way to also connect with your feminine outside of the moon because when we meditate, we are silencing everything else around us and allowing for divine guidance to flow into our bodies. And then we are connecting with our intuition at the same time. And um, I know that meditation isn't everybody's cup of tea. Honestly, mm -hmm. it's, it's not exactly my favorite thing <laughs> to do. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to just slow down and to be. And I really admire you for your yoga practice because yoga to me is such a meditation and it's mm -hmm. yoga. I really, really struggle with. Um, I struggle with slowing down and just mm -hmm. kind of being in one moment. So I think that's why um, meditation is something that, to be honest, is difficult for me too. I, I really have to practice at it. I'm not somebody that can lay down and just meditate for an hour. Um, no, we're all like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So just starting small meditation really is the answer to like 99% of your spiritual questions, meditate and, and then see, <laughs> see what happens. Yes. And I think you hit the nail on the head by saying that it's because it's a practice of presence. Yes, that's what it is. And if it makes you feel any better, this is something that I learned along my own spiritual path not so long ago that it's 
doesn't have to look a certain way. You can meditate while grocery shopping or, you know, planting trees or taking your dog for a walk if you're able to embody the presence of what's going on. There was this really not so popular uh, Will Smith movie a few years ago. And I, oh gosh, I can't remember what it was, but the premise was it was basically Will's son who okay. was on back on earth and earth had like evolved to kill men essentially. And he's by himself and his dad is guiding him through the experience. But one of the things that I actually like about that movie is that there's a point where he tells him, take a knee. And that means what he's saying with that is be present, like drop down into this moment. And so what he does is the son takes a knee and he starts asking him questions. Where are you? What sounds do you hear? What is your heartbeat saying? What is your skin telling you? What do you smell? What do you, you know, all of those things. And that's exactly what the act of presence is, which is the act of meditation, because by virtue of being with that, by virtue of being in this moment without being anywhere else, you've then transcended the illusion, so to speak, of past and present and embodied this wholly so that you can meditate. So if it makes you feel any better, you don't have to, it doesn't have to be long or lengthy or look like anything. It could just be the little moments of clarity that you have and the little moments of presence that you have those counts. <laughs> I actually love that so much and I, I hadn't thought about it that way. So thank you for, for sharing that. Something that I talk about a lot on my channel is simple spells. Like I do this coffee spell. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's, it's just a way to connect to magic through your morning drink. So whether that's coffee or tea, and um, it's this little spell that takes like 10 seconds for you to do, but you, you uh, stir clockwise three times as you think about the intentions that you want to bring into your day. And then you seal it by using your spoon to kind of like draw a pentacle into your cup. So I do that. And then I have um, a little altar downstairs that I will kind of place my coffee on and, and just sit there for, for a minute. And I've always thought of the purpose of altars as to bring you into the present and to, to help center and to ground yourself. But I love what you just said is, is that that's also a form of meditation. So, Hey, I feel better about myself that I do a little meditation every morning. <laughs> you do. You absolutely do girl. And yes, I've seen that. And I love it because that's something I usually, I, I visualize pouring a light, like a white or golden or silver light into my drink in the morning. And after looking at some of your Instagrams, I was like, oh, I can totally do that too. I'm going to draw a little pentacle. It's going to be great. I'm going to seal it. So yeah, I love that. And yeah, you've, you've become a master meditator accidentally. There we go. <laughs> oh my gosh, Sam. Well, thank you so much for sharing in this space with me this morning and taking the time. It's such a joy to be able to talk to more like hearted souls and to know that the work is out there and that we're all trying to help each other grow more. And I will love to have you back on the show some other time. Yeah, thank you so much, uh, Safa. I really appreciate it. I, I haven't done very many podcast interviews, um, but I love talking to you and, and this was really great. Oh, awesome. Well, I, yeah, I enjoyed it thoroughly and I will now let you go and enjoy the rest of your weekend. <laughs> you too. Harness that moon magic energy today, the full moon. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I've got my moon water ready and everything. <laughs> awesome. All right, girl. Thank you. Thank you. 
All right, everyone, I hope that you enjoyed that beautiful exchange of information. And I would actually love to invite you all to make it your goal or put a task for yourself to savor the next full or new moon and to see if you can maybe draw yourself up a bath or create an intention that you want to manifest or something that you want to release and see how it feels to connect to that lunar energy and to open yourself up to the divine in such a way that you can transform and heal and if you do do this I would love to hear from you and what you experienced or if you've already done this or have been doing it for so long and you want to share new ways or tips in which to embody all of these divine energies please feel free to email me I would love to hear from you email is info at nourishingpaths.com and as always you can find me on instagram at nourishing underscore paths and i look forward to hearing from all of you and i will talk to you again next week